You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is good? You guys know the deal by now. It is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendez. I'm a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Rams pod. I appreciate you guys for tapping back in with me. And this is going to be your Thursday episode of the Locked On Rams pod. I have something a little bit different for you guys today. And I'm excited to debut it because I've finally gotten a chance to dive into some draft prospects coming up here in a few short weeks. It feels like time is absolutely flying, which is pretty crazy. But, you know, the Senior Bowl just wrapped up. We had a chance to actually dive into the Senior Bowl, look at how certain guys performed in their time in Mobile, Alabama. And now I'm starting to finally make my way through certain names that are intriguing to me when it comes to the potential for the Rams drafting these guys. I'm looking at you know, positions of need for the Rams and so on and so forth. And I'm now starting to construct my Los Angeles Rams big board. And that's what we're going to cover in segments two and three. But in the first segment, I want to dive into something a little bit different as well. Like I mentioned with the big board, I seen an article from ESPN and it was titled daring moves for all 32 NFL teams. And what they have listed here for the Rams is really confusing and doesn't really make any sense. And it's kind of, it's obviously a hypothetical, but it seems so far stretched that it doesn't even make no sense at all. So we're going to go over what they talked about here and kind of dissect why this won't happen, obviously, but not only that, why it doesn't even make sense in a theoretical world. So they listed the Los Angeles Rams to trade away Robert Woods, Tyler Higby, Michael Brockers, Johnny Hecker, and potentially Cooper Cup. So, you know, that doesn't even make no sense. So they start off by saying the Rams don't have a lot of options. They're already about $34 million over the salary cap, and they're facing a dearth of draft picks in the future, having traded away their first round selections in each of the next three years. They need to get younger. They need to get cheaper. They need to get draft picks. And, you know, they talk about how Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, and Jalen Ramsey are the three untouchables, so to speak, on the roster, but everyone else should be on the block according to them. So I don't really know how they came to this conclusion because when you look at how the Rams have acted over the last... I mean, even going back to, you know, 2018, but specifically last offseason, last midseason traded for Jalen Ramsey, and now trading so many assets to go get Matthew Stafford, everything suggests that they're after a Super Bowl window right now. Why would they go ahead and trade not even all of these guys, but half of them or two or three or four of them? Why would they start to actually take hits to their roster at very important positions with very important players, guys that are starting to brighten their future outlook? That's clearly not what they're concerned with right now. If that was the case, they wouldn't have traded all this stuff for Matthew Stafford, who's 32, 33 years old. They wouldn't have done it for Jalen Ramsey. They probably wouldn't do what they're about to do in a few weeks in terms of restructuring certain salaries, going out in the free agent market and trying to shore up whatever holes there are on the roster. And then when you look at the cap savings, you know, some of the names that they mentioned don't even really make that much sense when you talk about potentially being traded. Now, you know, Johnny Hecker, he would only save the Rams $2.6 million and would leave behind $2.3 million dead dollars. So does that really equate to much savings? No, not really. Is it worth getting rid of arguably the best punter in football to save $2.5 million and ultimately eat nearly $2.5 million in dead money? I don't think so. Same thing for Tyler Higby. $5.675 million in saved money, which is significant. And the debt is only $1.8 million in debt. But the Rams already have Gerald Everett hitting the market here. 
can they afford to get rid of their starting tight end as well as their backup tight end and then really have to rely on a guy like Bryson Hopkins who has taken exactly how many snaps in the NFL? Zero? No, that makes no sense whatsoever. Tyler Higby's on a solid contract and I don't see why the Rams would be intent on even trying to move him in the slightest. And then you look at the receivers. I think you can make a case you know, for the receivers in terms of Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Cooper Cup, they would save $10 million and leave behind $4.5 million in dead money. And Robert Woods, they would save $11.9 million and leave behind only $1.975 million in dead money. So if there's anyone that is a candidate to potentially be moved as a very, very dark horse option, I think it could be Robert Woods. But at the same time, the Rams literally just extended Cooper Cup and Robert Woods in the beginning of this past season. So they clearly value these guys. Not only that, but Josh Reynolds is hitting the market here. Van Jefferson, although I think everyone pretty much expects him to be a solid contributor, we don't really know what he is at this point. He really didn't play this past season in his rookie season. And then when you consider the fact that you know the Rams intended to pay these guys and chose to pay them and extend them and keep them around, it doesn't really seem likely that they're going to be all that keen to ship one of them off. If they had to, I think they would probably ship off Robert Woods just because of one, his salary is much easier to get rid of and it would save a lot more. And two, he is a few years older than Cooper Cup. But you know, at the end of the day, I don't know why the Rams would want to start to take hits on their offense when it wasn't all that productive last season. They could use all the help that they can get at the skill positions at the offensive line and not really talk about any subtractions. Now, I do get that they are over the salary cap and, you know, they will, theoretically speaking, have to make some moves to get under there. I just don't see why they would elect to move a guy like Robert Woods or Cooper Cup. Now, if there is an outside chance, I think Robert Woods could be an option to get potentially moved because I do think you can find a lot of good receivers in the college draft, whether that be in the second round, the third round, wherever it may be. And I think they could replace Robert Woods' production, but he brings a lot more to the table than that. He's a very good blocker, very team-centric guy, a leader, great off the field, great on the field. You really can't replace all of that. And you know, I don't think that they're going to be all that interested in getting rid of him this offseason flipping to the other side of the ball I think Michael Brockers could be a candidate to be moved but his trade would be probably hard to facilitate I don't know if any other team would be all that willing to take on his contract as well as part with an asset to go get him though I do think the Rams have a lot of talent at that defensive tackle spot and that's why I think ultimately Ashawn Robinson could be on his way out now it would have to be a post June 1 cut and that would save the Rams just around $3.75 million and leave behind $1.5 million in dead money on this year's cap. But the Rams do have Sebastian Joseph Day behind him, technically in front of him at this point. He's been so good and has developed so quickly. They have Michael Brockers. They have Greg Gaines. They have a lot of names at that spot that they could easily replace Ashawn Robinson's production. And I think that that's one name that they could look to move. Ultimately, I don't see a lot of the names here that the ESPN article highlighted as potential trade chips. But I guess you never really know with Les Snead. He's always calling. He's always probably getting calls on certain players. And if there's anyone that's willing to make moves, I think it's Les Snead. But at the end of the day, I think the Rams are going to be much more concerned with trying to field the best product that they possibly can going into the season as opposed to starting to shuffle up that roster and shedding a lot of talented players, whether it saves money or not. In the next segment, we're going to continue talking about improving the roster. But by weight of the draft this time, I'm going to share my LA Rams big board. I finally started it. We're going to dive into the top and work all the way through every option that I have listed so far. And while we've got you, make sure to come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. 
You can find me at QB's MEP and you can find the page at Lockdown Rams. Are you having any car troubles? Do you ever go outside to find your car tires flat or your car won't even start? Well, you guys should absolutely check out rockauto.com for your service needs. They are a tremendous product. They are a family-owned business and they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. If there's a time to support a family-owned business, it's right now with the strange COVID-related times that we're living in. If you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional and are looking for reliably low prices, you absolutely need to check out Rock Auto. Go to their website, check out all of their available parts. It's a truly never-ending list. And if your car needs it, they've probably got it. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us so they know that we sent you. February is Black History Month and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. Right now, you can hear Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the Radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the second segment of this Thursday edition of the Locked on Rams podcast. I did mention before the break that we're going to dive into my Rams related Rams centric big board here and we're going to start right at the top. I did have the pleasure of deep diving into five guys in terms of their films. I try to watch at least three films on every player. Sometimes I might need a fourth game. Sometimes I might only need two games to try and determine who a guy is. And so we're going to start with the top. I rank this big board taking into account all kinds of factors. First is obviously the skill and talent of the player. Second, I'm taking into account positional need for the Rams as well as positional value in terms of quarterbacks are probably going to be higher on the board than say a kicker is. So I'm looking at that. I'm looking at the need for the Rams. I'm looking at the fit. I'm looking at how they project into the NFL in terms of their potential. Can they produce right out of the gate? Are they a guy that needs two, three, five years of development? I'm taking into account everything you can possibly think about when it comes to these guys. And the very first name that I've gotten to so far that's ranked number one on the big board, left tackle out of North Dakota State, Dylan Radins. This guy is such a talented player. He was at the Senior Bowl. That's something we always have to highlight with general manager Les Snead. There's no question about it. The Rams draft two, three, four players from the Senior Bowl in every single draft. So I wouldn't be surprised if Radins was a guy that's not only on their radar, but could ultimately be a Ram in you know a month and a half. So Radins, when I look at the PFF draft guide, they have a lot of very valuable information here. At the Senior Bowl, he was the highest graded offensive lineman in one-on-ones. He had a plus three grade and a win percentage of 80%. All of that came at left tackle and left guard. And that's most likely where he's going to play in the NFL at the left tackle spot. He was ranked 32nd on their big board. And when you look at his college statistics, he only allowed four sacks over the course of three seasons. This past season was obviously a little bit iffy with the whole COVID stuff. He barely played, but four sacks and they all came in 2018. Other than that, he didn't allow a single sack in 2019. And in the very, very short amount of time that he played this past season, no sacks again. To me, this is a guy who's very talented. He moves amazingly well. He's very athletic. I think he's very smooth. He doesn't have that mean streak, but at the same time, he's got nimble feet. I really liked his hand usage. Uh, He was powerful in pass protection. I've seen a handful of different pass sets. This is a guy I think that absolutely could come into the NFL and not only start from day one. I really think that he could, but at the same time, he's going to need to develop that run blocking demeanor, I guess, some anger in terms of the ability to do that. 
But I think he is a very, very good fit for an outside zone scheme, which is what the Rams like to run. I think he's going to be a very talented pass protector at the next level. He's got explosiveness out of his stance. He gets very good depth in his pass sets. And at the end of the day, I'm very excited to see what he can become in the NFL. I know a lot of people are going to knock him for the level of competition he faced at North Dakota State, but that's exactly why he probably went to the Senior Bowl to show off his ability against the best of the best. And in my opinion, he absolutely dominated at the Senior Bowl as well and was one of the most talented and impressive linemen there. Coming in at number two on my big board rankings right now is wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge. And if you're thinking about why that name sounds familiar, it's because the Rams did interview him in a pre-draft Zoom style of meeting. I want to say maybe at the tail end of last week, we highlighted here on the podcast. And now that I've gotten a chance to actually watch him, I was very impressed. This is a guy who has a ton of speed. He played in the slot. He played on the boundary. Not only did he do that, but he also has special teams versatility. He returned kicks from what I could see, and he was very explosive at doing that. And I'm one of the people that believes that he could also return punts. So if he doesn't play a ton coming into the NFL, specifically with the Rams, if they do draft him, they obviously have a trio of receivers that they like. Eskridge is a guy that could absolutely return kicks and punts as a rookie and play that deep field stretcher role. That's exactly where he wins. He's a vertical threat. He has lightning quick speed. And he has graded out very well at PFF over the last two seasons. In 2019, a 90.4 overall PFF grade. And in 2020, an 85.9 overall PFF grade. Very talented player. Very fast. Very good yak ability. He can get vertical. He can stack cornerbacks. uh, He can work off of his vertical game. So he can threaten corners to go vertical. And when they kind of open their hips and start to commit to actually working deep, he has enough snap and juice and ankle flexion, and suddenness to break off his routes and work back to the quarterback. And it's all of that deep speed and speed in general that allows him to work the rest of his game because cornerbacks have to respect how quick he is. And we did talk about you know how impressive he was in terms of the yards per route run, in terms of his yak ability, the numbers that he had in yak yardage. He was top three, top four in all of these numbers when it comes to all college football receivers. And that is super impressive for a guy that plays at a small school like Western Michigan, but hey, we've seen good players come out of there, specifically at the receiver spot. I want to say Corey Davis came out of there, maybe even Antonio Brown many years ago. That might be incorrect, but I think he might have went there as well. So this is not a school that is anything to scoff at, specifically at the receiver spot. And Eskridge is a guy that I think at the end of the day, he has the yak ability that the Rams love from the receiver spot. He has the vertical ability that they're probably seeking in terms of not having that on the roster right now. And then to triple down, he has the ability to return kicks and punts. And that's something that the Rams have hinted at trying to acquire this offseason. The final name that we're going to cover in this segment prior to finishing it off with our last few is LSU linebacker Jabril Cox. And ironically enough, he also played at North Dakota State before transferring to LSU this past season. And he's graded out very well over the course of the last three seasons with grades of 84.1 in 2018, 80.3 in 2019, and 72.8 this past season in 2020. He, like Eskridge and like Raidens, all three guys were at the Senior Bowl. And Cox is your modern day linebacker. He's very timid in terms of not really taking on blocks. He doesn't have that mean streak that your prototypical old school linebacker would have. He's not going to smash anyone, take their heads off like a Brian Urlacher. But 
If you're looking for a guy that's dynamic in coverage, he can open his hips and run. He can cover the slot. That's what he did a lot at LSU, which is pretty crazy for a linebacker. He can carry tight ends up the seam. He has the ability to spot drop and zone coverage. I think he's dynamic enough to be able to turn his hips, run anywhere from hash to hash or sideline to sideline. And in the NFL today, your linebackers need to be able to play in coverage. And that's why I got Cox this high. Not only that, but he did have five forced incompletions last season, and that ranked fourth among all linebackers, according to PFF. So this is a guy I'm high on. Now, he does have some down parts to his game. He's not going to be great against the run. He's not going to be very aggressive in the box and against the run. But at the end of the day, you need linebackers that are going to be able to cover running backs coming out of the backfield, cover tight ends that, you know, we have a league with guys like Travis Kelsey and all these dangerous tight ends. Now, George Kittle in the NFC West, these guys need to be able to run. They need to be able to open their hips, cover and spot drop in zone. And that's exactly what the Rams do. And I think that's why they could very well be interested in a guy like Jabril Cox. In the final segment of today's episode, we're going to dive into the last two remaining names I have on my big board. And then we're going to wrap it all up at the end. And while we've got you, make sure to keep checking back in with us because on Friday, we're going to host our Fan Mail Friday edition for the Locked on Rams pod. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, and they have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. That's betonline.ag. Thursdays on Locked On NFL are a must-listen as Ryan Tracy and Jake Lisko break down teams across the NFL from an analytics and team-building perspective. Get the expert analysis on your favorite teams from Ryan and Jake every Thursday. Subscribe to Locked On NFL wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the final segment of this Thursday edition. We're going to continue our talk of the big board and breakdown of the last two prospects I have listed on my big board as of right now for the Rams. I've gotten through five players and all of their tapes, and I feel pretty comfortable about the rankings so far, but we're going to continue to update this big board as I continue to watch players, watch more guys, watch more tapes. It's going to start to shake out, and I think by the time the draft rolls around, we're going to have a nice long list of potential guys that the Rams could draft, and I did do this last offseason. Now, I wasn't your host here at Locked On Rams, so I couldn't share, but you know, I think it turned out pretty well. I got a good idea of certain players that the Rams wanted, didn't want. And ultimately, they did draft a few guys that were on my list. And that was nice because I was ready to go to share tidbits and, you know, what I thought of certain players prior to getting drafted. And so, you know, that's going to be the goal here. We're going to try to watch as many guys as we can to prepare ourselves for what the Rams might do. And when they do ultimately draft these guys, I can have a nice idea of who the player is pre-draft and then sort of go back into their tape, see if anything changed in my mind, see where they might fit with the Rams and so forth. And, you know, that'll be fun to compare what I think after and before. But right now we're going to dive into the last two names. And the next name, number four on the list is Edge Rusher out of Pittsburgh, Rashad Weaver. I'm pretty sure Rams fans like defensive linemen from Pittsburgh. Aaron Donald is one of them, if you don't recall. Uh, Rashad Weaver is a talented player again, and this is just kind of becoming a theme, I guess, at this point, Rashad Weaver was at the senior bowl. That's four for four at this point. Uh, so I feel pretty good about that. You know, at some point they're going to draft somebody from the senior bowl. I would not be shocked if it was one of these four guys. Now Weaver is intriguing to me. You know, he's very talented in terms of his pass rush ability. Now 
he lacked some down-to-down consistency, but I did like the power aspect of his game. He had a nice bull rush. Uh, he had some nice long arm moves. And not only that, but I've seen enough counters on his tape to make me believe that he's not really going to get stale as a pass rusher. There are certain times where, you know, he looks to just engage with an offensive lineman, but at the same time, there are nice reps where he can see where the offensive lineman is going, what kind of set he's going to pull, what kind of move he's expecting out of Weaver, and then Weaver will hit him with a nice counter, something that is completely opposite to what he gave him maybe a play earlier or a couple plays earlier, and ultimately, that's a good thing for a pass rusher now. I think he's a higher floor guy because I think you know what you're going to get out of him. He's going to be a solid power rusher, six to eight to 10 sack guy, pretty much in any given season. But he has pretty much no speed and no twitchiness to his game. I think that is going to lower his ceiling because he's kind of advanced in the things that you can teach in terms of hand usage and pass rush moves and pass rush plan to some degree at least. But He just doesn't have that high-end athleticism where he's going to be able to run up the arc and dip down and, and, you know, use his Gumby-like bend and things like that and ankle flexion to get to the quarterback. He just does not have that to his game. And that's kind of what moves him down for me. But at the same time, you know, if you're looking for a guy in the second or third or, you know, maybe even the fourth round, it's hard to say, that is going to bring the juice. You know what you're getting out of him. You know you're going to get that six to eight to ten sacks pretty much in any given season out of the guy. He's going to apply some pressure. He ranked very well according to Pro Football Focus, whether that was the PFF grades or you know certain things like sacks or pressures. In the grades, he had an 83.1 in 2018, and in 2020, he had an 89.5. That's pretty good. He had 10 sacks this past season, seven in 2018, so clearly a productive player. But at the end of the day, I do think there is a harsher limit to his game than most guys, but at the same time, you pretty much know what you're getting out of him. And to some degree, you know, that's very comforting for an NFL team that wants a, not a sure thing because there's no sure things in the draft, but as close of a sure thing as you could possibly get. The last name that I want to highlight here on my big board is another edge rusher. And this time it is the Texas Longhorns, Joseph Osai. And once again, this was a guy that we did highlight like Eskridge. I want to say either earlier this week or late last week. And it was because He was a draft selection for the Rams in a two-round PFF mock, and so I wanted to kind of get to know him better. And, you know, I like Osai. I think he offers some interesting things in terms of his evaluation. He does have some power reps on his tape, but not enough for me to be comfortable with his consistency. He does have some speed rushing ability, some more natural bend and twitchiness to his game. You can see him kind of work up that arc use a little bit of bend sometimes, use that dip in his shoulder, use a rip move and kind of work around a tackle. So that was nice. But again, the down-to-down consistency was just lacking for me. And then when you look at the statistics and certain grading, he only had 11 sacks in three years in college. He only had nine hits this past season, 10 the year before. He did grade out pretty well, 79.9 PFF grade this past season, 70.8 in 2019. And I do think that he has a higher ceiling than a guy like Weaver does because He can win as a speed rusher. He can win as a power rusher. And he does have enough athleticism to where, you know, you can expect him to maybe develop some certain aspects and the technician-like ability of an edge rusher. But at the same time, you know, sometimes these guys just don't develop. And we've seen that a lot of times from a lot of guys. And I think Osai has a little bit of a higher ceiling, but at the same time, a much lower floor than a guy like Weaver does. And for me, that's why Weaver gets the nod. But again, I do not think these guys are very far apart from each other. And ultimately, if the Rams want to go with an edge rusher, I think both of these guys would be a solid option, whether that be in round three, round four. Osai does offer 
a very hardworking, high effort player. This is a guy that's going to run down running backs 10, 15, 20 yards down the field. And that does indicate that, you know, maybe he is willing and maybe he is capable of learning the finer aspects of the game, like hand usage and pass rush plan and all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, if he's willing to work hard and never really give up on a play, it does send the right message. And, you know, that is off to a good start. But for now, I'm going to have Weaver ahead of him. That could change with athletic testing because athleticism at the edge spot as a pass rusher is very, very important. But unfortunately for us, we're not going to get a combine this year. And that's going to make it hard to compare guys in terms of how explosive they are and what they can do in terms of their athleticism. So that's unfortunate. But as of right now, that is the big board for me for the Los Angeles Rams. Five names. We're going to continue to try to add names to this list every week. Hopefully I can get another four, five, six, seven names. We'll see. Uh, We're going to continue to add names. We're going to continue to share all the names and all the breakdowns here at the Lockdown Rams podcast. So make sure to keep checking back in with me every day for a new episode at the Lockdown Rams pod. I appreciate you guys. And just a reminder, you can come connect with me on Twitter at QB's MEP and at Lockdown Rams. And please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.